This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. I'm, I'm so excited about the draft, and I'm so disgusted and annoyed by potential free agency uh, for a couple reasons. One is that there's a lot of salary cap talk, which is just boring. Like you were just talking to me about the uh, the Dolphins are restructuring Tyreek Hill's contract. Yeah, I just saw that right now. Adam Schefter uh, tweeting out uh, the Dolphins are converting Hill's 10 million roster bonus and 16 million salary into uh, just about 25 million bonus dollars. So they're going to save about 18 million against the cap this year, and they were in the red going into the off season. Uh, by about a million bucks. So that's a pretty good bump up for them, uh, especially in regard to the rumors. I don't know how much, you know, we can really take that at face value with the Tom Brady stuff. Is he done? Is he not done? Is he going to come back? And if he does come back, where's it going to be? We've heard Miami is a rumor, maybe clearing room to pay Tom Brady. I don't know. It's going to be yeah, an interesting I, follow. I, yeah, I guess that's the part that's interesting is without having to worry about all the salary cap stuff, is Tom Brady actually – I can't. I don't know if I can do the Tom Brady thing again, though, either, man. I like uh, – not to mention the whole fact that the league already fined the Dolphins so heavily for tampering with Tom Brady. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah. For him to ultimately end back up there, I don't know. Um, as far as the free agency stuff goes, the reason it annoys me is, like, one of our listeners this morning said – he was depressed because he realized as he was reading about potential free agent departures by various teams that the Texans just don't have any like intriguing potential free agency departures. You're not worried about any of these guys are leaving. And I told him, listen, there is one that you should worry about and that maybe the Texans should resign, and it's Obo Okoronkwo, yeah. the defensive end. Yeah. Because he had, look, he had five sacks in 2022, but that was that kind of ignored a late season surge he had where in playing in a bad defense where like a lot of good pass rushes went unrewarded because there was some place to dump the ball off to he did really really well when you do some of the things like the uh, the pass rush win rates it was 13th uh, 13th best pass rush win rate and fourth best in his run stop win rate he had a, a very, very good year. Um, and I actually, I've seen him listed in a few other places mm-hmm. as a, uh, like the sneaky, this was on ESPN.com uh, as one of the most underrated free agents out there. So I think, uh, I do believe the Texans actually have a good shot at resigning him and hopefully maybe getting him, I don't want to say on the cheap, but, you know, buying low before he's really genuinely established. Because this is a guy who spent the early few years of his career 
in a 3-4 as an outside linebacker. Yeah. And kind of just like what happened to Jason Babin when he left Houston and went elsewhere. Okoronko came in here and is a 4-3 defensive end, just started figuring it out and lighting it up. So this scheme this year is a lot more like what he was doing last year than what he was doing with the Rams. I think this might be uh, – this might end up being – one of those best best off season signings, you know, in, uh, of 2023. Uh, when people look back on it a year, from that now. would be huge. And all the stats you just mentioned, I mean, they're really cool. But I'm interested to hear your perspective because this is the one guy defensively this past preseason that showed out to me. Like, yeah, I just trusted my eyes, and the guy was involved seemingly, Seth, in every play. He was getting to the quarterback, making them make tough decisions, and when he finally got an opportunity, you know, in the latter stages of the season to go out and start, I think that we saw the Texans' defense just play better when he was in the starting lineup. And over the course of the last, what was it? It felt like the last three or four games of the regular season. That dude was just balling. He looked like yeah. the preseason warrior that he was earlier this year. Or last yeah, year. and well, no, in, in training camp it was the same way. Like, and this is where I think that he's really going to fit with what D'Amico Ryan's likes and wants. Mm-hmm. In training camp, when you watch him, like in one-on-one pass rush drills, he he looks like sometimes guys when they come from college to the NFL, they're still operating under their college coaches' mentality, which is. After you finish the pass rush, you sprint back to the line of scrimmage, and like the guys will they'll grow out of it after the rookie year. You know, it's very uh, it's very Johnny Go Getter and and whatever. It's cool yeah. that they've got that attitude. But Okoronko is still doing that as a fourth, fifth year vet. Like he just runs everywhere. He's just nonstop. So I think that D'Amico is, is really going to like him. Um, the other guy, like when you think about personalities, that D'Amico Ryan's is definitely going to like. Uh, Damian Pierce is one of them, like a hundred percent. He was on good morning football yesterday and they asked him about what it's like being in the building with D'Amico Ryans. And this is what Damian Pierce said. Coach Miko, young guy. He's eager. He's ready. He's ready to coach. It's a new, it's a whole new wave in Houston. You kind of feel like the energy whenever coach Miko and his staff is around, like you kind of know when those guys are in the building and, um, you know, as a, as a young player and as an up and coming player, you know, that's a, that's a good sign for me because uh, you see a coach who's hungry. He has players who's hungry. And um, all the good things come from that. And we're ready to work. Okay, so this is the part I hate about um, who I've become. And it's that every time I start to feel this sense of optimism and excitement and uh, just like, man, I feel, I feel like the Texans really got it right. There's a, there's a little devil on my shoulder that says, don't be a schmuck, Seth. Don't be a don't be a homer. <laughs> you should be skeptical of this, and I can't I can't bring myself to uh, to listen to my little devil on my shoulder yet. I, there's, don't listen to him yet. I mean, there's no reason okay. to. I mean, like we're all excited about the new regime, but you could tell late last season that so were the Texans. I mean, they saw the writing on the wall, and just the sense from the locker room was like, man, this is this is it, this is over, and there's going to be good change. Not just change for the sake of change, but a good change this offseason. And you could hear it from guys like Damian Pierce um, and uh, you know some of the other young players like Jalen Petrie. They were all excited, and even the veterans, they were all excited for what was to come. You didn't know it was going to be D'Amico. It could have been Sean Payton. It could have been you know XYZ head coach. It didn't matter, but you just knew, and they knew, that the organization was going to 
turn the page and they were yeah. on to bigger and better things. And so that's what I'm excited about. And I'm excited that, you know, to hear that from Damian yesterday, just kind of, you know, he's as genuine of a dude as you can get. Um, and you can tell when he's excited and he was there clearly. If I were to listen to the devil on my shoulder, he would, uh, he would ask me to like, okay, think about where it might go wrong right now where everything feels so good. Where could it possibly go wrong? My first instinct is always, and it's not something I feel, it's almost like looking from, if I were looking from the outside in and I didn't personally know D'Amico, I think that I would worry, uh, like somebody might worry that D'Amico's too nice or that D'Amico, you know, doesn't like have the temperament to handle guys that might be issues or problems in the locker room. So I try to think about that realistically because, again, I'm biased. Um... I think that D'Amico is, like, he's already dealt with his share of difficult personalities in the NFL as a player. And I think as a coach, he's, you know, he's, he's worked very well as a linebacker's coach and as a defensive coordinator. The, um, the guys with the most colorful personalities tend to be on the defensive side of the yeah. ball. And D'Amico's kind of one of those guys that I always think back to Joe Gibbs and the stories I heard about him. I think that he commands so much respect in almost like a fatherly or an uncle type fashion that and because he's I think he is committed to being as open and honest with players as he possibly can be yeah guys end up responding to that um and there's a way to sometimes there's guys like Jeff Fisher was like this Jeff Fisher could tell a guy like Pac-Man Jones the truth mm-hmm. without Pac-Man Jones despising him for it you yeah. know, and it just you know, ultimately Fisher wasn't the guy that turned Pac-Man Jones around, but it was like Fisher was able to command that kind of respect out of guys, and I think D'Amico is the same way. You know, I had a similar concern when you asked the question, like, all right, how could some of this go wrong? You know, go awry, if you will. It's a similar concern, but on the offensive side of the ball, one of my biggest things was, you know, as the Texans were putting this staff together, is I kept waiting for there to be like. All right, they're going to certainly bring in a former offensive coordinator or, you know, somebody that has previous head coaching experience, you know, for an off the offensive side of the ball particularly. It was what I was looking at because you said, you know, all right, more of the uh, you know, hairy type of personalities tend to be on the defensive side of the ball. I'm thinking like, all right, well, what about you know, a receiver, you know, that maybe oh, is a little true, bit too yeah. big for his britches or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. D'Amico's on the defensive side of the ball. I know how he can handle those guys. I mean, he's got a proven yeah. track record as a player and coach, certainly like that. But what about the offensive side? Who's going to do that? Gerard Johnson, he's 34. Bobby Slowick, he's 35. Like, I don't know how these guys are going to interact and kind of, you know, bring these guys along, those tough personalities. Yeah, Bill Lazor, I think, who you know is at least three years older than me because he was a senior when I was a freshman in college. He was a teammate of mine. Um, Lazor's been around, and it's interesting because I don't, I don't think he's ever really been on a head coach watch list. Yeah, um, and I'm surprised by that. Other than that, like, I don't think he's ever been in the right spot at the right time because he's got a lot of respect as an offensive mind and um, and a good coach. And he keeps getting opportunities. It's just it's been a it's been a, little, a bit of a, a dicey bad luck stretch in some respects when it comes to being a head coach. Mm. I do think that he's a guy that's thought of as a, a wise older guy. You know, he's in his fifties at least, and he's he's seen a lot of that drama and he knows his way around that kind of stuff. Um, you're right, yeah, because Bobby Bobby Sloak, he's one of these guys now where you know like thirty five year old coaches. 
tend to look like they strike you as like they're 28 year olds. Yeah. Like, but, you know, Matt LaFleur struck everybody as really being young. When I miss that. 30s. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because they're inside watching film all the time. So I think yeah. they just don't like maybe their skin stays relatively clean and unblemished. They've been wearing sunscreen at practice, unlike the, uh, you know, the guys in the old days. So uh, they look a lot younger than they actually are. Yeah, Bobby Slowick standing up to prima donna wide receivers or being firm with them, that's a test for him. And I think people used to say the same thing about Kyle Shanahan. I think there's one thing you learn about Kyle Shanahan over time. It's like, man, like the knock on Shanahan was that he was like too much of a boy wonder. And now you look at him like, man, he's kind of mean. <laughs> like, he's, he's, he's got, got the chops. You know, I, yeah, I feel like Kyle, yeah. he's always kind of had those chops. And yeah. growing up, you know, being around his dad, being around the game. I mean, that's something you kind of develop and you kind of, it becomes your personality. You yeah. know, you learn how to talk to those guys. And, you know, Bobby, I feel like is a little bit different there. Um, it's going, but you know, it's also the type of player that the Texans want to bring in. Themselves. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't really foresee them having a lot of those issues, you know, a problem child, so to speak, on either side of the ball. They're very meticulous. I think they're going to continue to be that way with the type of personality. It's very important to them. Just like we used to talk back in the day, Seth, hell, when you were a member of this football team, you know, that, I mean, they, they just bring in a whole bunch of really good guys, you know, and people were yeah, looking for yeah. the nasty, the bad the bad guy, you know. Yeah, and it doesn't, like, it doesn't have to be, I think sometimes people think that like being a nasty football player is like all like tied hand in hand with being a bad dude off the field. Where it's, there's plenty of guys yeah. that are just like exactly what you want. Ronnie Lott is like a complete and total gentleman off the field and just a uh, an assassin on the field. So I think that um, it's funny when there was there's an article in the Athletic about a year ago, kind of about the interviewing process in college football. Uh-huh. And I remember somebody talking about Nick Saban you know, wanting to be sure that the guys he hired had the, you know, almost just physical courage to stand up to dudes that are, especially in college, because in college, in college, there hasn't been the, uh, the filtering out yet. Like the guys, you still got some guys in college that in their freshman and sophomore year, A, haven't matured and B, might actually not be correctable or like disciplined enough to like hundred percent yeah, yeah so like you got to have like it's rare that a player is actually going to swing on a coach but you got to show that if if he did that you're not backing down so the, there's confrontations on a football team sometimes you know between guys that are Nick Saban size versus a guy that's 330 pounds and angry as hell yeah. you know and and it it's like you've got to have a certain physical presence about you to stand up to guys like that. And I think there are a lot of NFL and college coaches that are that way. Like they're not, you know, they're not being irresponsible or anything, but it's like you can't cower in the corner when some guy tries to, tries to bow up on you. Yeah, so the physical I don't, presence. I think like all these guys have been in the NFL for a while. The physical presence, but also just like the, the ability to talk to a guy. Like you can't talk to everybody the same way. I mean, you know this, like. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I had I had to learn that, you know, uh, the hard way whenever I first started coaching. I was like, man, this kid's just not responding the same way as as most every everybody else that I deal with, you know, that I talk to. It's like, man, and you hear other coaches deal with the same type of kids in a certain way, but 
they're also maybe a little bit more physically imposing than, you know, my five foot eight, hundred and fifty five pound frame. Sounds yeah. a little bit different coming from a yeah. six foot four, two hundred and fifty five pound guy. You know what I mean? So there there is a balance there. That is a thing. You have to learn how to do that and who to talk to a certain way. You have to reach everybody maybe a little bit differently sometimes. Yeah. So um that's uh, I, that's something I'm not worried about, and I do I, one thing you mentioned there, which is something that D'Amico touched on, was guys having different learning styles yeah. and being able to adapt to that. Another thing that you talked about during uh, the break, one of these breaks, was that your your neighbors are driving you crazy asking about this collusion uh, against the oh, Lamar God. Jackson by NFL owners. I gotta I gotta tell you, everybody, you gotta stop with this. You gotta stop with this. I'm gonna explain to you very simply and briefly why there is no collusion against Lamar Jackson. Coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast (sighs) spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. 
you know, Sean Pendergast is out for uh, a little vacation of his, so we've got Sean Bajani in, and uh, uh, since we've we've made a theme of this judging quarterbacks by their faces, uh, we're going to do that in the next segment, but we're going to do it with Sports Radio 610 hosts. So uh, <laughs> if, if you see Maybe Landry, but yeah, Landry, if you're listening, just go ahead and be ready to grade Sean and I, because uh, I obviously we're biased in trying to grade ourselves. Um, but another thing that Sean Bajani has been dealing with, aside from the upcoming face grades, are your, you, you said that you had three different people approach you yesterday that don't even necessarily talk to you about sports a lot, but that are wondering why is the NFL colluding against Lamar Jackson right now? Yeah, I was out doing, I was out doing yard work all day yesterday, and towards the evening my brother came over. We did dinner at the house and stuff, and uh, <laughs> literally in like 30 minutes' time, two of my neighbors – you know, um, in, in different times, you know, like I got done talking with one and the other one comes up. They both asked me about Lamar Jackson and this collusion thing that's going on and wanted, you know, my uh, my opinion on it. And they both know, you know, I do, uh, uh, you know, sports talk radio from time to time. And I was just like, wait, what? What, what did I miss here? Like, what, what's happening? Like, what? where's this story? What are you talking it's, about? What happened? It's, Honestly, it's been one of the most – it's been an astoundingly weird thing for me to try to process because I've seen so many people so convinced of it. And, like, I look around and, I, like, it doesn't – and I'm one – and I'm a person that would accuse the, the owners of colluding. I have at times in the past, and I think that there are times it generally involves the, the collective bargaining and agreement and bigger stuff like that um, – but I, I have 100% am under no illusion about, like, the moral purity of the owners or anything. It just doesn't make any sense to me right now. No. That, that, and this is what people need to understand. The, there's multiple reasons. The simplest one is this. Basically, the Ravens put the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson, which means that any other team can make an offer to Lamar Jackson and... If they give up two draft picks and Lamar Jackson accepts it and the Ravens don't match the offer, then Lamar Jackson can can uh, go to that team. Mm-hmm. So there's that. That's the basics of it. This is what this is what led people to accuse the NFL at large of collusion against Lamar Jackson because within like 12 hours uh, he hadn't received an offer yet. The Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons, both are teams that need quarterbacks. They were in on the bidding for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And a couple of reporters asked people in those organizations if they were going to go after Lamar Jackson. Those people said no. And all of a sudden, there were these accusations of collusion. This is what you need to understand more than anything. Okay, Lamar Jackson has been wanting some kind of contract like Deshaun Watson's. Those two teams, the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons, were in the running for... Deshaun Watson. So you can say whatever you want about the accusations against him. Those teams were in on Deshaun Watson. When they pulled out, when they lost was when they decided they did not want to give Deshaun Watson the contract that he currently has. Mm -hmm. So basically, they were already on record as not wanting to give out that contract. And now somehow, because those two teams who are already showed that they don't want to give a contract like that, are out on Lamar Jackson wanting a similar contract, two teams out of 32 like that—that's collusion. It doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't make a single shred of sense. And people need to stop asking Sean Bajani about it. Well, it's it, going to drive him insane. <laughs> it was nuts. And then I get inside the house, and my brother asks me about it, because he was like, "What were <laughs> you talking smart. about?" And I'm like, "What do you? What do you mean? Like, I, I wasn't putting two and two together." And I guess 
because I couldn't see like why that would be an issue. And to me, it's just simple. Not only do owners have to part with the two first-round picks, like you just said, for the right to spend the stupid money. It's just it's stupid money. Somebody's already made that mistake. It's the Cleveland Browns. They've made the mistake of giving Deshaun Watson $230 million guaranteed, and you don't know the future. Like This is why franchises... You know, go into the cellar sometimes and they don't come out for a decade. You know, it's an absolute killer. I don't know that I would give Patrick Mahomes, you know, a fully guaranteed deal like Deshaun Watson got because you just don't know if a guy gets hurt or, you know, if if he does something dumb, which this day and age is even money, it seems like then it's a franchise killer. It's just business from an NFL standpoint, if I'm an owner, but it's also just good common sense. Like, I'm just not doing it. So collusion, no, there's not collusion. It's just teams not being stupid enough or feeling desperate enough to where they have to do this. And then one of my neighbors yesterday was like, well, what about fair market value? I'm like, go look at the top 15 highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, and you can average that out. Okay, and whatever your average is, like there's fair market value. That's like a baseline and a starting point. And then you could say like, okay, the guy was an MVP three years ago, which, by the way, it was three years ago. What has he done the last couple of years? His team record wise hasn't been that great. He hasn't finished the season healthy, didn't play in the playoffs this year. And it's like, what's the fair market value then? Is that a guy that's worth fifty five million dollars per year to be a quarterback for you? Not for me. Yeah, well, and the other part, too, is that, um, you know what, I'll let you, Adam Schefter lays it out, something that I had been saying less eloquently. Here's Adam Schefter talking about one extra reason the teams don't necessarily want to be a part of this process. I think part of it is the fact that teams know that they feel like that they would just be drawing the offer sheet for the Baltimore Ravens. So if any one of these teams steps forward and says, let's give Lamar Jackson, you make it up, a four-year, $200 million contract, fully guaranteed. Well, Baltimore could have the chance to write it. And there have been many free agents in the past that have been given a tag like this or a restricted free agent where there's an offer sheet where other teams have balked at signing that player to an offer sheet because they don't want to do the work for another team. This is not a Lamar Jackson new phenomena. Yeah, and that's a, and the other thing about it too that adds them another complexity to it is once you make that offer, the Ravens have five days to match. So as it gets into free agency, then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to float this offer out to Lamar Jackson, who doesn't have an agent, and then wait and see what happens for five days, and maybe the Ravens try to match. Well, meanwhile, I have to put all my other free agency plans on hold. Um, it just yeah. doesn't, uh, you know. And I know a lot of people. I know people got. There were people that are arguing for Lamar Jackson to the Texans, so which is a, a separate case. Like whether I one hundred percent don't believe this is collusion in this instance. So let's say the Texans were interested in Lamar Jackson. I just don't think that a quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, even Deshaun Watson, anybody else at that contract level, giving up multiple first round picks um, is a good bet these days. It just I don't yeah. think that's that's not the way to structure your team. Look at what the Look at what the Browns are going through right now, where they're already having to reconstruct. They're already they're talking about giving up Nick Chubb, potentially trading Nick Chubb, um, and having to redo Deshaun's contract because his cap figure is so high. 
it's just not the right way to build when you've got right now the very beginnings and the seed of possibly doing it the right way. This is kind of a let's plunk down our credit cards to to pay the mortgage for a couple months and see what happens. No, and doing I just, it the right I, I don't way. need it. Doing it the right way, you know, once upon a time ago, yielded you Deshaun Watson with the 12th overall pick. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it was just fine. I remember that guy. (laughs) Never mind everything that transpired over the course of the last three years. But, I mean, that was doing it the right way, you know, so to speak. I mean, you didn't want to get to the point that were as a franchise to where you needed a franchise quarterback and you had that pick. But, you know, like, now that you are, you have the 2 and the 12 and you're in great position with great draft capital, little money to spend in free agency, and talent acquired already with a new regime coming in. This is the way to do it. And the Texans, I have to believe, I, I don't know that I could be convinced otherwise, that with all of these new coaches and you know specifically offensive minds in the building that are looking and sifting through this draft class, don't believe for one second that you could convince me that they you know, don't have to pick up their mouth off the floor because they're drooling over one of these guys and they can't wait to get their hands on what them. If it's if it's a Levis, if it's a Richardson, if it's a Young, if it's a Stroud, I don't know. One of those guys exists. Yeah. And to me, you know, we heard the report, what was it the other day? There's a push to get Jimmy G, you know, and yeah, the Texans should be on Lamar Jackson. No, you shouldn't. You should, you know, focus on the task at hand and realize the beautiful position that you're in and trust your talent evaluators and do whatever it takes to go get the guy if it's at one, do it. If it's back in the draft in the first round, do it. But go get the guy that is going to be a franchise-changing uh, quarterback. Maybe not in one year, but maybe a guy that is going to turn into that guy you know, for the foreseeable future. You know, um, yeah, I don't uh, – but as far as Jimmy Garoppolo, too, I keep remembering what Julian Edelman had said about him possibly just not being all that interested in playing injured and the fact that he's injured so much. That's what. That's another thing I just don't like about Lamar Jackson is that he's he's missed mo- big chunks of time to injury in the last two seasons. People keep bringing up his 2019 MVP. Like, great, he had more production in 2019 than he's had in 2021 and 2022 combined. It's just like, stop bringing, stop bringing something up from four years ago. That's, that's not what he is right now. Maybe he will be, but not, not at that compensation and giving up those draft picks right now. Uh, okay, so coming up next, uh, Sean, we keep the memory of Sean Pendergast <laughs> going with the uh, much-beloved face scout ratings now, except instead of with quarterbacks, we're going to do the personalities at Sports Radio 610. That's coming up next. Sean Bajani's opinion on uh, my fellow co-host at Sports Radio 610. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Sean Bajani is in for Payne, Payne, <laughs> Sean Pendergast this morning, uh, who is on vacation through Tuesday. And uh, Sean, I know you've been listening to Sean Pendergast's great face ratings, quarterback face ratings. And uh, Sean was just besides himself with joy when he realized <laughs> that actual NFL draft experts uh, judge quarterbacks on their face the same way he has done in the past with guys like Sam Darnold and other quarterbacks who just simply didn't have the face to be an NFL quarterback. Here's Chris Trapasso talking about uh, just that phenomenon. Seeing Will Levis throw the football on Saturday, he, whatever he's doing, he's doing something right because <laughs> okay. he looks like an NFL quarterback. <laughs> he has some big upper body that I think a lot of teams, they're scouting everything. They're looking at, uh, you know, giving face grades and the haircuts and how a player looks. Do they look like a franchise quarterback? From that perspective, I think Will Levis certainly passes the eyeball test. We're doing face grades now? Yeah, Daniel Jeremiah talked about that when he was with the Ravens, and he's been serious about it. He'll say it probably again during this pre-draft process, that they grade – some teams grade quarterbacks by their face. Do they look like a franchise quarterback? And I think Will Levis does. So uh, we've objectified quarterbacks and coaches enough this week. I, I figured we'd, we'd turn the lens on ourselves here at Sports Radio 610 um, and judge the sports radio personality faces. I'll have Landry do it if we have time when he comes in for, for you and I. I have a hard time doing it with you because the first time I really met and knew you was when you were a young kid working next to Barry Warner and um, I felt like just like constantly trying to you feel bad for me. Well, I, well I, yeah, I felt I did feel like you were constantly in that position of almost like the rookie cop who is trying to not piss off the older cop. And uh, so I didn't I didn't as a as a sports radio host, I was more worried for your sanity than actually whether or not you would make it as a sports radio host. Yeah. And I think I lost my sanity and I still haven't made it as a sports radio host. <laughs> Sean Pendergast. Uh, Sean Pendergast, this is what I would say, without ever knowing Sean, and this is hard because I knew him on radio before I had ever met him in person, I think if I looked at him from a distance and watched him, I'd actually be a little intimidated by him, and I'd feel like he might be kind of like a, a mafioso or something. Yeah, because got- I, I, I make fun of him all the time. I'll send him like random text or something like that when something will remind me, and it's usually like a Bam Bam Bigelow post yeah. or something on Twitter. He has that you know, uh, imposing look to him. But when you meet him and talk to him, it's like, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. He's lovable. He's very, yeah. very lovable. Um, Landry Locker. Landry's a tricky one because I think Landry at any given moment, almost like a Hollywood actor, he could go either direction. He's like, uh, you know how Matt Damon can play uh, like a, a frumpy middle-aged guy or he can play uh, Matt what Bourne or whatever his name is Michael Bourne um, yeah Michael Bourne yeah um and I think that Landry Landry he had a couple things going for him once one I think is his fiance and two was just his scare that he had with too much energy drink consumption earlier in his life that he kind of caught himself because he could have been 
I look at him as more of like basketball diaries era Leonardo DiCaprio. Where <laughs> yeah. He could have he could have become once upon a time in Hollywood Leonardo DiCaprio where he's just like would have, his face would have swelled up and he would have just looked like an over middle over you know over the hill middle-aged actor. I think Landry caught himself at the right moment and he's he's maintained a kind of a youthful Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't know time. why but he reminds me a little bit of um I think it was the character David on Beverly Hills 90210. Um yeah. <laughs> do you know oh, what I'm yeah. talking about? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Right. He's the one. He, he went out with uh, Megan Fox, right? He's done well for himself in real life. Yeah, yeah, he did. But and I think he also he he dated the hottest chick on Beverly Hills 90210. I can't remember her name, but uh, well, she yeah, was... he was the bratty little guy originally, and then he somehow blossomed into uh, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Landry's uh, coming in right now. <laughs> I'm a, he can't what? be offended. He can't be offended at yeah, Landry. You can't be offended at me comparing you to Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't think he's offended uh, by you comparing him to Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, I'm interested to hear him uh, on my take. I, I I see him like I was trying to do this. Like, all right, what kind of profession would I see him outside of sports radio? And I was like, he could be like the pool guy. You know, I see him as like a pool guy or because he has the gift of gab, you know, like yeah. the door to door knife salesman, you know, Ooh. that just like won't leave you alone. No. Like you're not you're not going to close the door on me. I'm going to sell you these set of knives. Damn it. Landry, you know what you would actually be good at this. I'm not saying this is your ceiling. I think you would actually be good at this, though, is as a uh, like a doorman at a fancy building. Because you have you have your height and you have a certain presence about you, uh, but I think you would take your job very seriously. But you would also be able to kind of gab with the residents based on who they were, like the little old ladies. You'd be good with them, but then you could talk sports with the guys. I think you'd be a damn fine doorman. Yeah, I I could see that. I I definitely couldn't sell anything. Like I I would be the worst. I I would be the worst salesman in the entire world. I can't sell crap. So me going door to door would be a no-go but I, I could definitely find myself being a doorman are you talking about the one who dated tori spelling donna yeah Come yeah on, man <laughs> tori spelling wasn't the hottest one yeah she, he said tori was spelling the was the hottest she was the ugliest one no, she was I only she on was... there because her dad produced the damn show yeah <laughs> aaron spelling old man all right so it was <laughs> oh it was tori spelling it was um um uh, shannon, was Dorita, the shannon doherty kelly dylan like kelly was the hottest yeah thing. kelly Wait, no, he was with Kelly. Actually, the nerdy one was hot, too. They all got with she each other. She was underrated. The, uh, the the real nerdy, like, outspoken one with the, the glasses. The 35-year-old one? Yeah, she was underrated, I thought. Like, looks-wise. Ish. <laughs> you just, yeah. <laughs> I guess this has turned more into, like, uh, guess my profession. If uh, more, than, more than an actual scouting face rating. Brandon, I didn't have any good ones for Brandon. Did you, Sean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought he could play, like... A really good Malcolm Jamal Warner character, like Theo in the Cosby Show, like. Oh. But during the college years, you know, like when he had like the dreads, yeah. like that's He's that got was a like the first thing. Like an intellectual yet like a uh, boy next door vibe. Also. Exactly, yeah, he has that vibe. Yeah. B. Scott, what do you think? Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta just find the the dreadlock characters, <laughs> and that's pretty much what it's limited to. Did yeah, he have that was a start. In college, though, I thought he was more. Uh, did he? Didn't he turn kind of? He was goofy in high school, and then in college, did he turn into kind of a smart guy? Yeah, he was like a studious, uh, you know, Brandon type of character in the Cosby so, Show. So, <laughs> so like a decade ago, when they were doing the Facebook celebrity lookalike challenge type of thing, the one that I got the most was the guy. Um, he's been in a couple of movies, Orlando something, but he, he was the he was a guy in Drumline. I don't know if y'all saw Drumline, but he was the the band oh, director, God. the no. band director in Drumline, and he was in Orlando Jones. Orlando Jones, there you go, 
Orlando Jones is the one that I've gotten a lot. Uh, And and that's probably anything that he's in is probably something that I would probably uh, compare myself to. Lopez, the first thought I had was like a ninth grade algebra teacher who's just had it. Like he's just, he just can't stand these damn kids. Whatever it was, you know, back, yeah, yeah, sure, when he was a younger guy, he tutored those 20 kids to pass the AP calculus exam, but those days are far gone and he's just had it. Because Lopez is like a food guy, I had him pegged as like the floor manager of like a Papacitos or something like that. (laughs) You know, he likes the hustle and the bustle, you know, and preparing the food and getting guys uh, to their tables. I could kind of see him, but I also. He, he, like ain't the tur- no the black tur- he ain't working no floor. The black those, turtleneck. Those guys got to do a lot of stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe so. Um, Crosstalk, by the way, is uh, brought to you by DNM Leasing. Usually Lopez is a fine spokesperson for DNM Leasing. But uh, as far as you guys go, Brandon filling in for John Lopez and Landry Locker, what do you guys have in store for us today? Uh, we got a lot. So we, we've, we've dug up some audio of Nick Saban, and he was supposed to talk about Bryce Young. But he kind of chose violence with two other potential uh, Texans draft picks. I don't know. I don't know what they did to uh, get the wrath of Nick Saban, but they definitely got it. Like, there's no sabotage them. I, he didn't sabotage them. He didn't mention them by name, but it's pretty clear that he's that he's basically like Bryce Young's competition outside of C.J. Stroud. They caught some bullets from Nick Saban. He just like, ain't scared. He just ain't scared, man. We've seen that from Nick Saban. He ain't scared to go out there and talk a little bit. You know, uh, the, yeah, he's the reason why Jimbo Fisher got. Kind of got sideways a little bit last year, so yeah, I mean, I can't that's wait the, to hear it because I love is, it when Saban talks. This is just what Saban does; he ain't scared to kind of to kind of mix it up a little bit, move some furniture uh, yeah, wonder, in, the, in the room. I wonder if Saban, like, so maybe now as part of his way of trying to gain some control back in the era of NIL, he's just going to start giving people the crimson letter on their chest if they're, uh, you know, if they're not they're not team guys or or what have you. Oh boy. Now, did he did he say anything nice about Bryce Young? Oh, he said a lot of nice things about Bryce Young, but he also said a lot of mean things about guys who aren't Bryce Young that maybe played in the oh. SEC. Maybe the other two quarterbacks we're oh. talking about from the SEC. Yeah, oh. yeah, oh. Without, with, without actually naming them. Yeah, but, but, he, oh, but, okay. but describe, thought, it's it's but very no, obvious. No, no. There's but no des- sugarcoating. It's no, very obvious. Describing them by profile, Seth. By by describing these other guys by profile. Yeah. He names them without naming them and fires so, the shots. Yeah, that's it. Okay, I thought wow. he was doing it with guys on his own team, kind of like oh, uh, no. how Spurrier did to Clowney <laughs> back oh, in God. the day <laughs> when he said he was no uh, what's his name, the running back. Um, okay, so uh, and then uh, what? Uh, okay, so you guys got in the loop. Sorry, everybody, I was doing an incredible job today until the last twenty three seconds. Um, <laughs> now you're doing great. Hold on, before you're doing great. before you you take us out, I have to make one correction. I said Michael Bourne. It was Jason Bourne in the Bourne movie. Oh, I'm getting oh, killed yeah, on the yeah, text yeah, line. It was like, no, Matt Damon. The Astros. Astros. <laughs> Seth, Seth could be. Uh, did did we Bourne, say no. what character Seth is? Because he reminds me sometimes. He's like a a way bigger, like the guy in Grandma's Boy. Whose house he stays at? Like that funny guy. What's his name? God. He's in oh. all the Happy Madison. He's in all the Happy Madison movies. Uh, his oh. mom walks in on the on the grandma's boy. Oh, I, I, that's gonna drive me crazy. I'm looking it up. 
I don't have this one. Come right, on, text okay. line. Come, through, come yeah. through text line. They'll come I, through. I look forward to it. Now I've got something to do for the next two hours. <laughs> um, all right, everybody, watch uh, or listen to In the Loop, and then, yeah, watch them on their various social media feeds and Landry's YouTube channel and in uh, Brandon's Rockets podcast with Spillane. It's awesome. Thank you, uh, everybody. Have a great day. And Sean Bajani will be back with us on Monday. We'll have stories of John Lopez's wedding to boot. Good day, everybody. Antibodies to you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.